I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. So, welcome everybody to, I don't even know um, how many episodes we've had, but it's certainly in the double digit. And um, as we said before the show, oh my God, what a time to be in any sorts of news. I mean, it just keeps happening everywhere as if somebody fast forwarded um, on, on an old school um, video recorder and probably the younger audience doesn't even quite know what that is. <laughs> um, and there would be a lot to be talked about, interesting plea deals that were struck down <laughs> even by, by benign judges in the United States. Um, interesting developments in Russia. I could geek out on, on how I would have seen that war going into a totally different way than it's going now, sort of like back to the roots, i.e. roots being trans warfare. But today we are on Germany and... That is not to say that we can't go off tangents on the other topics because Germany is always in the middle of it geographically and historically. And a lot of stuff is happening. And I think sort of the one reason, Todd, you reached out and said, look, let's do an episode were the latest findings that insolvencies were up in Germany by something almost like 25% compared to July of the previous year. And a lot is happening in Germany. It is an interesting country. Probably I play the ball straight back, straight to Fabian. What's happening? Why is it interesting? And why do, you, do our fellow countrymen continue to frustrate you every Just let me say before we get started, yeah. I checked you all and none of us are reptilians. So we got, we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Not just yet. Okay, good, good. I'm, I'm very pleased. Well, look, um, you know, um, thank you. Uh, it's good to, to see all of you again. Um, Christian, you, you already said it. I mean, this summer has been quite the summer of events um, on, on, on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, now you specifically asked me what's happening in my country and what makes me so furious about my countrymen. Well, um, there are so many headlines, but I think there's two topics that are roaming the news at this moment. The one topic is under the headline deindustrialization. Why is Germany all of a sudden the sick man of Europe again? So this is quite um, a, um, um, in my opinion, it was a foreseeable economic uh, turn of event. Anybody that uh, listens to Paul Luongo, he's like a financial advisor in the States. He writes good pieces. And I remember when the um, what they call our coalition here, the traffic light coalition, the red, green, yellow uh, party coalition, once they um, came into power, he said, you need to watch out for a deindustrialization of Germany. And nobody believed it. But now it's happening. And it was foreseeable. The other great headline, and I think we need to talk about this as well is um, the uh, fact that um, the Alternative für Deutschland, the AFD, is now polling at 20 to 22 percent. They are the second strongest party in, uh, in Germany. And if you actually look at the raw data even closer, you see that um, the, the party that's leading is a union of parties. So it's the two conservative parties, the moderate <laughs> put together and um, their poll actually, if, the, if, if you break it apart between the Bavarian CSU and the uh, rest of Germany CDU, they are actually uh, trailing the AfD. So in a, in, in a certain um, measurement, the AfD is uh, poising up to be the strongest party in Germany. Now, Christian, I'm going to play the ball back to you on this one. You had always said to me, that you thought 2015, the influx of millions of refugees from the Middle East, from Afghanistan, 
would prompt Germans to go and rush to the IFD. It didn't happen. Instead, people stood at, uh, uh, you know, train stations clapping for refugees welcome, refugees welcome until the uh, New Year's Eve in Cologne happened. And then they didn't clap as much after that. But your theory was people would move to the IFD and it never happened. Well, all of a sudden, a slight, let's just, I mean, if you break it down, sure, it's an economic downturn. Sure, we're talking about the sick men of Europe. Sure, we're talking about incredibly high energy prices, high taxes. I mean, anything you, if you want to harm an economy, learn from the current German government's playbook, because they're doing it perfectly. Um, but interestingly enough, it's the as, as Bill Clinton said, it's the economy, stupid. Um, it's the economy, stupid. Um, it's moving um, uh, people in Germany to vote for the IFD. So um, what's happening, Christian? I mean, this is really interesting. Yeah, so um, probably one footnote. Um, obviously, 2014, roughly 2014, the AFD was founded. And it was over the whole woes of, you know, the Eurozone and Greece. And the AFD, no, actually, I think they were found in 2013, very professorial by two economists, or more than two economists, and all thought leaders, very establishment appreciated creatures. And in the first election they ran, they barely, they, they didn't make the 5% voting threshold you need to, uh, uh, that you need to cross to, to be in parliament in Germany. And then in 2015, obviously, come the migration crisis. And um, the AFD did sort of skyrocket at one point to 10%, even 16%. And then obviously the tried and tested media machinery went on and pointed out the inadequacies and sometimes rightfully so, the inadequacies of AFD members and, and they were brandished as fascists. And, and as predicted, sort of the many of the AFD members, the, the founders, the establishment types, very quickly jumped ship and, uh, you know, shouted, I created a monster. And then they, they literally did that in a newspaper. Um, but they never really went below 10%. But I always thought, well, with everything that was happening, you know, then not only, I mean, the interesting thing was the 2015 moment for me, and probably a bit of, a, that was my red pilling moment, so to speak, wasn't just, I'm not that xenophobic, but it wasn't just the government abandoning protecting its borders, it was pretty much wishful thinking coming to the forefront, where even the, the, the CEO of Daimler Chrysler said, this is a tremendous chance, this is a new economic miracle, uh, without actually looking at the demographics of the people that came, and you know, countries with high, literacy, high illiteracy rates in their own language. So that's when I suddenly saw a divergence between what I objectively knew was the reality and what the government said. So, so that's why it was such an interesting moment. But Fabian, to return um, to the topic, it nothing happened. So they, they kept on stagnating roughly around 10%. And, and typically they were when whenever they were invited on what few occasions on television, it was essentially six people invited and five of them gang up on the one known AFD guy. And obviously there were um, grievous um, bodily and property assaults on AFD members. I think one almost died in Bremen, who was assaulted a couple of years ago. But the AFD stayed. And, and, and come what may, I mean, there were terrorist attacks. There were obviously the mass rapes in front of the Dome of Cologne Cathedral just months after these people had been let into the country. But no, it uh, nothing happened. And then essentially, after every terror attack, after every stabbing, and increasingly these stabbings became mental health incidents. Um, I was asking what else must must happen for people to wake up. And I mean, I always kept pointing at also the money that Germany was bleeding to the EU, um, the money that Germany was bleeding. To cut a long, dry story short, in the Eurozone, we've got this um, off payment offsetting mechanism called Target 2, where essentially if there's a trade imbalance between Germany and Italy, because we've got the same currency now, it's kind of like shop credit that's written up. And essentially, all other countries kept piling up shop credit against Germany. And the Germans were like, yeah, one day they're going to, you know, pay us back. Um, but come what may, nothing, nothing happened. You know, the state apparatus kept growing, even in economically good times. And then Ukraine happened. And then suddenly, um, a lot of houses of cards started collapsing. I mean, our energy prices were already high the highest in Europe, 
if I'm not entirely mistaken, maybe maybe Malta's energy prices are higher, but, but by and large, the highest energy prices in Europe. Then obviously, um, you know, our gas pipelines were mysteriously blown up. <laughs> if you want to read, read more about it, read Seymour Hirsch's excellent substack yeah. in terms of putting forward a credible hypothesis, he's your guy. And a lot of things started happening at once. Suddenly an ever so slight pinch was felt for most Germans. I do think there is a not to be underestimated residual um, sympathy for Russia and Germany. We, we can have a debate about it. And that then suddenly AFD climb started climbing and nobody noticed it because everybody was very, very busy <laughs> with the Ukraine war and you know waving Ukrainian flags and and suddenly the AFD, before people noticed, was 20%. And obviously the media machine went into overdrive saying, this is terrible. <laughs> and, and they are very incompetent. And yes, they are, they, are, they are AFD members who are blatantly incompetent. But at, if at the same time, you've got a foreign minister who, I, I just tell you two of her blunders. I mean, she's sort of at a Kamala Harris, Joe Biden kind of level without being old. Um, um, so essentially she said, they were asked, like, would you be willing to sign a peace treaty with Vladimir Putin? She said, yes, yes, but he needs to turn 360 degrees, which, you know, she meant 180 degrees. And then in a, she started another speech. We are at war with Russia, which is only true in so far as it's a proxy war. But there is a tremendous difference between a proxy war and a shooting war. So we don't have German planes in the air shooting at Russian planes. We don't have... German soldiers fighting in the trenches with Russians. So yes, there's a tremendous difference. And as a foreign minister, you should cool the temperature <laughs> rather than, than trumpeting out these kind of statements lightly. Um, yeah, so um, I think Fabian just dropped, but I'm, I'm sure he will be back. Um, but Todd, would you like me to, to look at the economic level? And that's probably something really interesting to look at what's happening there. Well, I have a question. So yes. obviously, like in the United States, <clears throat> we have a globalist clown world going on here. Uh, you know, and it seems in Germany, it's more advanced than even here, which is surprising because people have to really try hard not to see what's happening with the energy, with manufacturing, with the war, with, uh, you know, green power that doesn't work, but 30% of the time. And, and so my question to you is, is Germany gone too far? In the U.S., I think there's still optimism. We have hope. We can turn this around. But is Germany gone as, as a historical Western civilization that, you know, defeated the Roman Empire and, you know, rebuilt Europe and then destroyed Europe? Or where, 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 is, where is Germany right now? <laughs> I hand over to Fabian. I've done a lot of talking. So no, yeah. Um... Fabian. And, and, and Christian, I think it, it, it will be important to, to go into some of that economic data in, 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 a, in a short while to discuss what's happening. Uh, have we gone over the limits? Um, well, Todd, you know, that is one of the, the things that I've been contemplating on a daily basis. When I was in the United States, I was in Michigan from June until August now. And, you know, discuss, I mean, so, so briefly to put everything into perspective, I, when I was talking to people in the States, of course, I realized there is, um, you, you know, it's, it's it, people see the clouds on the sky and people see that things are going to boil down to some serious business. And, you know, there's a lot of people, too, that are skeptical about the future um, and they are unsure how it's going to all play out. And there are some people that feel like if 2024 is not going to go the way they want it to, they're going to take some kind of action. I mean, you know what I mean? There's, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of discussions. Nonetheless, there's always that hope of a spirit of self-reliance. Mm -hmm. In other words, if, if Washington fails, if, if some part of the union fails, there's going to be enough patriots or people or even states to go ahead and continue some kind of an American ideal in mm -hmm. some place. Mm -hmm. So I do, I do see that existing. I don't see that, you know, on the, <laughs> on the coasts, right. but 
I do see that there that the, the the flame of the spirit is still alive now. When looking at Germany, the really the great difference lies in two factors. Number one, mentality. And number two, this overarching belief that politicians can actually quote unquote save you. That in other words, so from any issue to drought, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, lack of rain. <laughs> uh, I mean, bizarre things. He, the, you, you'll always hear the sentence, well, this is where the government needs to step in. Well, really, I mean, do you actually think that these people without college degrees who hold the highest offices in the land are able to solve any technological problems with, I mean, whatsoever? We're like, you know, I mean, it would be like things thinking like AOC in the United States would invent a new uh, power plant. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So the, the people here have this bizarre notion of loyalty towards the state. Um But your question, is it lost? Um, in the long run, it is not lost. In the short run, it's going to go through a very uh, stagnating decade. Um, because people here are very slow to wake up. People here are slow to realize what's happening to them. I mean, just to let you know. Why is that? I'm curious. I mean, I'm just. Well, sorry, why is that? Why is that? that. Um, well, I mean, Christian, would you agree with me that yeah. Eastern Germany is quicker to wake up? Yes. So, why is that? Because yeah. they lived under communism and yeah, they I, know what communism did to them. So they are much more defensive. When you look at the polls, Todd, in Germany, you see mm -hmm. a great divergence between East and West. It's in mm -hmm. Eastern Germany where the first AfD uh, county, Landkreis, uh, went. Really? Uh, um, it's in Eastern Germany where the first AfD mayor was elected. It's the Eastern German states where the AfD is leading in the polls. When you look at the Western, um, when you look at the Western German states, it's a complete different story. Now, Why is that? Number one, we are an over, I mean, I'm sorry for all, anyone in the audience who's a boomer, but I'm going to have to say it. We're an over boomered society. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, boomers that are going to retire this decade and they have lived very comfortable lives. And they actually think that it would be like voting between just a regular establishment Republican or a regular establishment Democrat is going to make the difference, but on German terms, SPD or CDU. They, they think in a very materialistic notion about politics and about the way that the world operates. They're still stuck in some kind of a Cold War mentality, only which has been enforced through the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. See, we always knew the Russians were the bad guys. This is what West Germans think. This is not what East Germans think. East Germans mm. think totally different. But their whole material, uh, 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 that all of that materialism has caused them to become so um, uh, naive and ignorant towards reality. And Todd, I think another huge factor in this is the lack of spirituality. Yes. I, think, I think because... You know, the country of the Christian Reformation, the country of, you know, the, the, that once brought the gospel to the world. Um, I mean, you know, even even when I'm in the United States, I see remnants of German missionaries that, you know, evangelized all over the United States. But boy, when you come to the to the fatherland, the root where it all started, it's it's dead. So material is, is it waking up again? Is it waking up? Yeah. Um, yes. You see, you see, you see small flames lighting up, but it, it, it's it's happening among Catholics. Not not the it's it it's 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 a mixture of 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 uh, evangelical free churches and Catholic. The Catholic Church is massively 
uh, awakening, mm. uh, especially in southern Germany uh, and, of course, in Eastern Europe. I mean, Eastern Europe is experiencing a, a Christian revival. But anything that has to do with mainline Protestantism in Germany is dead. What is it? It's a worship of green it's a it's a green agenda. The the evangelical it's a church, Marxist infiltration. It's what's happening it's, it's here. It's a too. cultural the green the evangelical church in Germany is a lengthened arm of the Green Party and it, and it has a cultural Marxist doctrine. Mm-hmm. But the church I was baptized in 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 Saint Joseph, Michigan, um, the Lutheran church there, they have the trans flag in in yes. front of their building as well. So yes. it's not like this is only in Germany. No, it's here too. It's, it's very in much here in, in the Protestant churches and and the leadership of the Catholic Church for sure. But but Todd, I think this is. I mean, you know, I don't know if we've ever touched on that topic in this in this in this podcast. But look, I mean, I'm a man of faith, and I know mm-hmm. that there's a spiritual battle, and I just I see this in a spiritual realm that the the hearts and minds and spirits of germans are cold and and hardened towards god mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the reasons why people are so naive and so scared no wonder why you know there's that term german angst so um, in the us uh, on that subject uh, we have the same we have the same phenomenon but because of everything that's happening that people are getting hurt in so many ways purposefully they have dropped back to that natural, you know, recall, re- reverse position of finding faith again. So you don't see that happening in Germany. Uh, yes, you see it, but you don't see it in it. You're not going to see it in any great large numbers at the moment. But if there is a total economic collapse, uh, once materialism is gone, what 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 you know? What do you have left? Um, yeah. But um, at at the moment, you don't see a a a grand um, movement back to, in into the churches. Uh, the the uh, the churches are divided still over so many worldly issues, um, and Christians, quite frankly, have been too. Um, They've been too preoccupied with some kind of intellectual notions that they refuse to become warriors again in spiritual terms. Um, but, I, you know, when Af- I, I, I've always heard stories that in the 1950s, after World War II, churches were filled here because people had nothing left. All they had was uh, hope that they can put in into a greater being so, so how can how can the, germans um force that kind of reaction again i'm just curious i mean i'm just we don't have to go here i'm just curious. no but this yeah. is in uh, no yeah. we're it's taking us here so why don't we elaborate yeah. for a second um so you're you're asking like what what could spark a revival how do you yeah essentially how do you pour gas on that fire you know in the u.s it's happening it's happening literally spontaneously it's it's quite wonderful and surprising and shocking actually to watch but it's happening Mm -hmm. on a big scale so um i'm just wondering you know i'm pleasantly surprised when i see young kids uh, you know professing their faith so it's i i guess i'm asking what what's the difference in the two is it because of our history that we're more oriented that way Probably one of the factors is also uh, the German churches. I mean, both the Catholic Church and the main mainline Lutherans were financed. Well, the state collected taxes and then for a small charge gave it to the churches. So, I mean, it was I mean, the churches, probably the German churches, both the Catholics and the mainline Lutherans are probably the richest churches on planet in terms of the assets that they own. Uh, just just because, you know, if, if the t- uh, state automatically collects the taxes and then collects the church tax and distributes it to them, that makes them kind of complacent. And it also creates a feeling of not needing to drum up support as much from from your church and, and you know, uh, providing um, services. And then, I mean, this is kind of where Fabio... Kind of disconnected from the people is what you're saying. Disconnected from, yeah. from the people. And then obviously the churches are part of the councils that 
run the state-owned television. They're also part of this. So, so and, and in a lot of ways, a bishop of the mainline Lutheran church can almost afford to go against the will of his people, or berate people of being bad Christians or saying like AFD members have nothing uh, to do in their church and don't belong to their church. I mean, even some, some soccer teams say, say the same. Um, and, and I mean, I was always very surprised when I was an exchange student in Maryland 25 years ago, how much churches uh, um, did. I mean, uh, apart from all the charitable stuff, which I think I never got up to with my German church, they offered sports leagues. So much of the basketball league before the actual basketball season in high school was run by the churches. And, um, you know, during homecoming and the senior prom, they offered good services that prevented kids from going out to drink and drive and, and all of that. So so they never offered that kind of stuff. So there was always a certain, um, you know, laziness almost in it. And, and then it's kind of hard to say where will a awakening or a revival come from? And probably, I mean, this is an interesting thing, even though what you need to consider, even though Fabian has rightfully said, the East is much more skeptical against what the, state says and the west because they've experienced this period of lying where you know the state says hey uh, last year they said we're going to produce x amount of tractors and then it's less but they're telling you we exceeded our quota but everybody knows they're lying and so once they've experienced that kind of double think <laughs> um or newspeak as it were from 1984 they're much more skeptical however obviously the east german state was fiercely anti-christian and i mean in terms of believers, East Germany is even less Christian than, than West Germany. So ironically, the path that goes much more in the direction that, you know, as conservatives one would want is the part that's also the least Christian. And in West Germany, I mean, it is true what Fabian says. Um, probably church attendance was never as as good as it was right after World War II. And interestingly enough, the Nazi regime was also anti-Christian. They tried to impose sort of kind of a German kind of paganized sort of um, Christmas celebration. And by the end of the war, people almost disobedient when for the most traditional Christmas they could. Um, so I guess as always in human um, history, once once you, and Fabian hinted that once you place all your eggs in the in the basket of materialism and that goes away at least temporarily, we might we might see something coming. I mean, as as we have, with, you know, the, as I said, for for five years, I'm like, what else needs to happen before there? Well, let, let me ask you this: like, yeah. um, is there has there been a awakening, eye opening moment, like? with the vaccines or with energy or with <laughs> something that's really like shocked people. Like there's a video going around now, of Ted Nugent and, and, the, and the interview is asking, so what do you say to all those who are vaccinated? And uh, you know, are they just all wrong? And he goes, wait, I can speak their language. And he goes, I mean, do you, do you have that kind of awakening going on in Germany? So I would like to answer the thing with the energy and then play the ball to Fabian for the vaccines. So for the energy, um, it is really interesting. So some are, and so for instance, in my hometown, um, a friend of mine had been to a local pub and suddenly young man, and then there was a well-known green politician at the table and suddenly young man crowded around him and shouting at him, what are you doing? You're ruining our country. And that's something I've never heard in my, in my lifetime. So yes, at the same time, if I talk to people, I mean, it's almost like a tenant of faith. And I mean, probably something I would uh, I, I wanted to go in anyway. So just like in the United States, the state knows well enough to keep the middle class on site. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Whenever I tell friends, well, whatever the new energy policy is doing, it's not doing what, what it promised. And they're like, what are you saying? My father has like solar cells on the roof and and he's making tons of money from it and then so so it's it's kind of this almost naive economic misunderstanding of what's at hand they're like well not only is it covering the energy of my house 
some of the time, but I also get to sell. And I always point out to them, yes, you do get, you only make that much money because the local energy companies are forced to buy your energy at top prices, even though, yes, there are days when there is so much, suddenly a surge of solar and wind energy into the German grid. And then ordinarily you would just gift it away for pennies because there's so much of it and you can't quite store energy. As, as we all know, it doesn't really work that way. Uh, not to a, to, a, to a meaningful degree, but the local energy companies are forced to buy it at top prices, even though there's so much of it. And yes, for the middle class, it's great at the micro level. At a macro level, obviously, they don't understand how fabulously expensive that is. And they don't understand how fabulously expensive it is because for every, say, kilowatt hour of energy that you have in theoretical solar and wind energy, you need one kilowatt of actual backup energy and that obviously if you've got an energy backup for the actual energy that drives up the cost if i'm talking to to most folks in germany they're like no and we are the ones who are innovating and somebody in the world has to do it and then they come up with all kinds of studies like well i, I always point to them well probably the both at a green level in terms of you know the minerals for all the batteries and never mind that most of the solar cells are produced in China. So I'm like both on an economic and um, at, at an environmental level, the solar cells and the wind energy is not quite what they promise. They take up a lot of space, forest gets chopped down for these big um, wind turbines. So, and, and then they're like, yeah, but I've seen a study that this works. And then I always give them the heuristic. I'm like, if it all works so well, why are energy prices rising? Why? Um, is BASF, the absolute German chemical giant. Why is it building a $10 billion plant in China? Not in Germany, in China. Why is one of Germany's major aluminum smelters going out of business? Well, then, then people are like, they're not going out of business. They're now a recycling company. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's in terms of like, like the expertise and like chain, value creation chain that is much lower. And so so on an energy level, I would still still say 75% of the public are in denial and still sell you that. And they said, no, it's a brave decision and you'll see we'll outcompete. And I always ask them if solar is so great and so cheap, why isn't China or India using it or Africa? Um, yeah, so so and there's there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. That being said, I'm going to make one point. Yes, there are days where Germany is exporting a lot of energy. And Germany has exported more energy last year than it has imported. Mm. However, it falls under this bracket that I pointed out. There is this at a sunny, very windy day. Not too windy because then you have to hold the turbine. So that's sunny, windy, but not too windy day. There is a surge. Sure. Energy. And at that day, or for a certain hour, maybe 80% of German energy is green. Let's call it that. The problem is there is suddenly so much of it that they're like, well, we need to get rid of it. Let's sell it to our neighbors in Europe. And then the neighbors are like, okay, well, there's so much of it um, and you need to get rid of it. So yeah, they, they buy it for pennies on the dollar. Right, right. Whereas if, if then there is a day, dark, dark day and no wind is going, and then we have to buy... Uh, coal-fired energy from Poland or from France, and then we pay top dollar. And to, 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 to illustrate what top dollar looks like, the United Kingdom last year to prevent a blackout had to buy energy last minute from Belgium. And Belgium was like, hmm, we don't have that much to spare ourselves, but hey, 5,000% of the market going great and it's yours. And the UK bought it. So that's wow. what we're talking about. And th there is no awareness when I talk to people and their jaw drops and you you know um and there's lots of yeah so so there's that when it comes to vaccines to the vaccines fabian i'll hand over to you what's what's your read on that well i think with the vaccines you've noticed especially in some of the mainstream newspapers well not not the left-leaning pseudo-intellectual mainstream newspapers but things like tabloids like build um, or even now the, you know, growing alternative media sites from like Julian Reichelt, who, by the way, is a good um, friend of uh, Rick Grinnell, U.S. ambassador here in Germany at the time under Trump. Um, you're starting to realize there's at least a pushback that what happened was wrong. 
uh, and the way it was administ administrated was was wrong. And there is a um, interesting um, consensus now that everything uh, you know in life has opened up again, and we're out of this mode that people are reflecting and saying what we did was wrong, but let's move on real quickly. And yeah. it's now being covered up. Um, so it's that that's that's something I have noticed that. That all of a sudden, after everything is said and done, group A speaks out and group B quietly admits things, but the consequences are still somewhat lacking. Mm. I do know, though, that many people who were, as Christian like to say, red-pilled, were red-pilled in those years, they have not moved on in the sense that they've forgotten what happened. A lot of times people forget. You know, if certain events happen and then they move on. I mean, I'm not going to forget what the Biden regime did in Afghanistan. I bet mm -hmm. you tons of American voters probably already forgot in December. But, you know, there's a lot of events. And I but I do know that the whole vaccination thing and I do know the, the COVID policies, a lot of people have remembered and uh, they uh, are not going to let the politicians off the hook. That is something that I've noticed. With regard to the aha moment, though, well, again, you have a country who, um, after World War II, was stripped of its identity mm -hmm. and had to restore some kind of an identity. And what did it tie its identity to? Economics, mm -hmm. uh, brand names. Um, uh, you know, infrastructure, etc. So mm -hmm. anything material. Well, the problem that's now happening is that the only thing that people were somewhat in that sense proud of are now starting to realize, oh, wait, this can crumble too. And mm -hmm. the, the newspapers are filled with it. I mean, you can really? go in any, every time I go grocery shopping, the, you know, you see the big newspaper stands, you see every, from Der Spiegel, über die Zeit, all of, I mean, even the left-leaning liberal papers are saying, something's wrong with us. What, what happened to our country? Why aren't we getting projects done? Why aren't we punctual? Why aren't we, why do we suck? <laughs> okay. Well, let term. me ask you, so is there going to be, like you have in the U.S., a, and I've heard tinges of this from Germany, a tyrannical push against AFD and, and others? Oh, it, it, it's going, I, I think it's going to happen uh, in the uh -huh. sense that um, right now, well, in the media, there's this debate of have they become normal? Are we normalizing them? Is a 20% of the electorate a normalization of the AFD? Um, but my theory is next year when, I mean, 2024 is going to be a big year because we have European elections and you guys have um, mm -hmm. uh, U.S. presidential elections. And I do think that they are going to certainly come up with some kind of schemes or ideas to to push back. Um, yes, here's one thing they are talking about right now, uh, you know, banning the party altogether. But that's. Yeah. Legally, I mean, Christian, you, I mean, constitutionally, that's pretty much impossible. Uh, on what basis would they ban the party? It's been done in the past with the German Communist Party in the 1950s and sort of the a very right wing party. I think was it the DP? I think so. One one of the more right wing parties in the 90s. It has been done. It had been tried with NPD. And let's be clear, NPD are actual neo Nazis. I mean, no second way about it. Um, it, it, it failed and taught American listeners might find this interesting or somewhat familiar. It failed because it turned out that in the NPD leadership, there were so many feds <laughs> that in the end, the judge was like, well, I'm not really sure who made the cool, who called the shots here. <laughs> um, and then so, so that was abandoned. Um, mm. Yes. Yeah, so as Fabian said, the hurdles are quite high. The, that being said, I mean, there's so obviously the newspaper campaign is now clicking into gear. As I said, um, explained before, the first nobody noticed that AFD was climbing in the polls, and they were still dividing their firepower because part of the firepower was still literally beating the war drum for Ukraine. Hmm. Now they have entirely abandoned the Ukraine thing. It's something that goes on in the background. Sometimes our, our warmongering foreign minister talks about it. 
but apart from her, nobody does. And now they're really focusing on the AFD. And again, the AFD has this problem that I described before. Every right of center party in Germany um, had always had the problem that they were so stigmatized that quite often folks who had other career options didn't join them. So you had a lot of folks who had nothing to lose. And, and yeah, quite often they are quite embarrassing um, guys and not very well-spoken or they're well-meaning, but again, they're not very good at articulating it. However, even that has vastly improved. I mean, um, the main head of the AFD is, uh, is an openly um, gay woman. Um, she speaks Chinese, she speaks English, she's an accomplished entrepreneur and researcher in her own right. There's still one of the economics professors involved. So increasingly, they do have competent people who actually can intellectually bite back. So that's going to be a lot harder. But that's not to say the combination of lawfare and media stigmatization might not do the trick, as you guys are observing in the, in the United States. So anybody's guess how this is um, going to go on. But I mean, one thing is for sure, and I mean, some of the more moderate leftists in the United States had made that argument with Trump at the time. They're like, okay, fine, make Trump go away, have all the issues that he speaks for unarticulated, and you get something a whole lot worse than Donald Trump. And that, that's going to be my warning. If they indeed manage to do that, well, then there are a lot of things that are unarticulated. And yes, we do have an economic crisis. We do have an industrialization where the U.S. is not entirely un uninvolved in that because obviously the Biden administration, as you will, will have noticed, after for two years, they really, really harmed your energy policy. You guys flipped the switch. And now a lot of the stuff, the you know, drilling licenses and such are working again. You're selling expensive liquefied gas to Germany. At the same time, the Biden administration is inviting a lot of foreign companies, such as German companies, coming over. So, I mean, one of the, our biggest worries is, is obviously our car supplying companies. And they're being lured over to the States with much yes. lower energy yes. prices. Yes, tax breaks. massively. And, and then an interesting thing happens which probably illustrates what Fabian said, the belief in the state is still there, particularly by the state in, in itself. So to give you an, a difference between, yes, uh, the Americans do it too. They incentivize German companies to come over <laughs> after the pipelines were blown up and after the energy prices surge, American companies under the Biden regime say, hey, come over. Now the Germans, not to be outdone by this, have now incentivized a Taiwanese chip maker to come over. The one of the, the, the biggest chip, ma chip Interesting. maker. Interesting. Yeah, Taiwan Semiconductor. Yeah. Yes, yes, them. And they gave them $5 billion, which subsidizes the 2,000 jobs that will be created by this with like 2.5 million per pop. And they're like totally celebrating themselves. And the, the children's book author, that is our uh, minister of economics or de facto chancellor, because Olaf Scholz has not much of an authority. The Greens are running the show, not the SPD, not the so-called libertarian. It's the Greens that run this government. Right. And he says, ha, see, I got, got a chip maker to create a factory. It's a future technology. And I'm like, yes, but at the same time that you need to incentivize, you need to give people money at that rate you've already lost. Uh, whereas this, the, the Americans make it far more subtle and far less involved. Even the Democrats are like, well, it's not like we're giving you money directly, but we're giving you tax breaks and you get cheaper energy. And probably to weave in sort of my argument, is Germany done? And kind of like Fabian, I'm like, in the long term, no, because Germany has a lot of structural strengths. So right. one is its economic uh, is its educational system. And uh, one of our strengths is that vocational system where like out of high school, you go, go straight into a job and you get, you get trained vocationally by a, by a company and attend school at the same time to get the theoretical basics covered. That's typically when you're 16. So by the time you're 19, you already have three years of job experience. By the time that the first college graduates come out of the schools in the United States, you already had six years off, off. That's you know, huge. The, I mean, our college graduates are in, and in, highly in practice oriented. Right. I mean, yeah. I give right. an example of a job. And, and hold on just one, one second. And, yeah. and I remember Peter Thiel once said, 
that, you know, his goal is to keep people out of college as much as possible. Well, if you look at what's happening in colleges in some parts, that's not a bad thing. But getting people into an actual job is a good thing because well, no, nobody will hire. Well, I shouldn't say no, the, the consulting companies and the big law firms will hire the Harvard grads, but no redded blooded Trump supporter is going to go out and look for a Harvard grad. Right. He's going to look for a, you know, was the Bear Stearns guy, PSD, poor, stupid, and deep desire to be rich. Not <laughs> stupid, poor, I forget the acronym, but poor and, you know, very energetic and right. desire to be rich. Yeah. Right. So that's what you want. Yeah. And, and to give you an example of the kind of jobs that they're training for in, in Germany, in the classical system, they've got a job called a mechatronic, which is both a mechanic and an electrician folded in one. And so by the time that kid... The other kids are um, graduating from college. That kid has already six years of highly specialized job experience, highly relevant. And if he belongs to the top of his class, he can apply for a master's school where he learns the last um, skills of the trade. And it's a mini MBA, so he can run his own company if he wants to. So that is brilliant. However, in Germany, obviously, we've also moved into the direction when I graduated from high school in 1999. I think one third of all graduates went to university. Now it's 54%. So we are sadly heading into the American direction, but we still have a healthy depth and breadth of folks from this apprentice system. Also much of the German public administration, not the political appointees, but the other ones who have to pass very grueling exams are still highly competent. So that still puts us in good stead. But we can live on, rest on those laurels forever. We still need to make sure the fundamentals are great, that energy prices are somewhat competitive um, and uh, that taxes are somewhat competitive. So, And if we don't pay attention, skills are, as you guys discovered in the Rust Belt, skills are very quickly lost and very hard to be regained. I mean, as everybody who wants to reopen a textile mine in Maine, might find out they're very mm -hmm. people are dying away who still have those skills i mean some i think one folk called heritage us has sort of re set up high high-end sort of uh, jeans and and then jujitsu suits and in, in maine and that, that's to be commended but again easily and quickly lost very hard to regain and and so they're and unlike the US, I'm always saying don't bet against america your fundamentals will always be great you are in a in a blessed place i agree to, with you Two yeah. oceans on either side, lots of materials. You could be energy sufficient if you wanted to. Um, geographic positions, great. Lots of oil, gold, you name it in the US. That, those are fundamentals that nobody can quite ruin. They can make life very miserable for the working and middle classes, but the US might not falter. Germany, yes, absolutely can. We don't have these advantages, and hopefully people will wake up. Again, our educational system is our one asset but again if if the industry that goes with that is gone then that that won't save us um hmm. yeah again probably over to fabian if i've hot, hot Look, i'm, I'm gonna end with a uh i'm gonna end with a uh, historical um uh, uh, narrative in that sense i recently heard a guy um say that uh well, actually, I had a conversation with, with Bill Lynn the other day, and we talked about the possibility of a, a restoration of Prussia, because he said to me, there's two things I want to still accomplish or see in my lifetime. One is the restoration of Prussia, and the other is the return of a Hohenzollern to the throne of Germany. said, Bill, you are quite utopian, but he said, well, um, it's worth fighting for. Anyways, so we started talking about Prussia, and I um, recently heard an interview from another um, a, uh, somebody from the uh, Prussian uh, society in Berlin. And he said, look, we're in uh, 1806 all over again. You know, Napoleon's invaded. Uh, Prussia was led by weak people. And um, we're going to, we are in desperate need of reform. Um, but after 1806, after the Prussian defeat by Napoleon at Auerstedt and Jena, um, Prussia regrouped. Um, uh, it, it actually went to as far east out, out of its uh, boundaries. And um, what came in the aftermath was probably one of the greatest military um, generations of all time, which includes Clausewitz, who's 
you know, military lessons are still taught at West Point or at the U.S. Uh, War College and where his bust is still in Washington, D.C. I mean, we're talking about a great military uh, generation. So many g great generals came out. Not, of not if Secretary Austin can help it, but go on. <laughs> 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 oh, don't get me started with that, Todd. Um, but um, yeah, I think, look, the, the point is simple, that um, when times are good, um, usually weak men are created and weak men create hard times and hard times create strong men and strong men create good times. And we've reached the point where weak men have created hard times. And I think personally, there's going to be great people that are going to come forward and step up to the call. Um, right now, we're still so, sort of like the lonely wolves in the wilderness that are crying out and saying, where is everybody? But as even the book of Kings teaches us that when the prophet Elijah was uh, feeling sorry for himself and went all the way to the south of Israel and complained, God, I am alone. God said, you need to go back. You are not alone. There are many who are on my side. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and step up to the call. I think this is what's happening. Um, it's going to take some time. But as Christian said, have faith sort of in the American fundamentals. I'll put it to you this way. When all said is done, have faith in the Germanic fundamentals. At one point, they will come back. What needs to happen, though, on a on a good, um, you know, um, uh, healthy balance is that we need, I think, in my opinion, and this is something that I've been really working on, you need more interaction. I think this is this podcast is a perfect platform for that. There needs to be more interaction between German, healthy patriots, American patriots, because we need to work together. We're all in one boat. Uh, this is the Western boat. And um, I think that um, Samuel Huntington was right when he said either we hang together or we hang separately. So um, let's step up to the call and get the job done. Well, I'll end real quick with we get a lot of comments on our website when I post an article, you know, that Hunter Biden is getting a plea deal or whatever. And people will say, when is somebody going to do something? <laughs> I say, no, the real question is, when are you going to do something? So they don't like that, but I just return it right back to them. So that's the answer is self-reliance. That's it. I, mean, I think it's a good, almost JFK like quote <laughs> of yeah. all people to end on. Um, so I think the viewers have seen we are at crossroads. We have at two countries with different fundamentals. Probably German fundamentals are less forgiving than US fundamentals. But I think let's have faith. Uh, probably a musical recommendation now that we spoke about Lutheranism. And as a Lutheran myself, I'm very passionate about our singing. And there's a beautiful song by one of the three great church, German church musicians called uh, Philip Nikolai. Uh, Wake awake for time is flying. Um, for night is flying. So if the listeners want to listen to it somewhere on, on YouTube, it's a beautiful song and I think befitting the times we live in. And So that. now you have a project to develop a, an intro video for the show. Yeah. So. With, with <laughs> Philip Nikolai, I think he might very much uh, consent. There's a church named after him in Hamburg, Hamburg's most prominent uh, church, the Nikolai Church. So yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Excellent. Take care, guys. See you next Thank time. Thank you, you too. Take care. Thank you.